Welcome to the Everton Army podcast. My name's John. I'm joined by Mike and Andrew. Um, Mike, how are you doing, mate? It's good to have you back on the pod. Yeah, thank you, mate. I'm glad to be back and um, everything's all sorted now, so I'm raring to go as normal. Lovely stuff, mate. Lovely stuff. So we'll just start with the, the Richarlison to Chelsea rumours then in a potential swap deal with another with another player. Um we spoke about it briefly previously, but Mike, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on Richarlison to Chelsea. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't think he will go. Or I don't think he'll go to another Premier League team. I'd be very, very surprised if he does. But, you know, it's a Premier League, you never know. Um, now, if he does go to Chelsea, um, I don't know who Chelsea are going to get rid of because they're going through transformation themselves, aren't they? So... Yeah, but I think the price has got to be right. We can't let him go cheap. I think it's got to be seventy odd million easy. If other players are going for, and they're asking for more money than what uh, Richie Allison's worth, I think uh, it's a bit of an insult, and I think they're trying to take the mick out of Everton and their financial situation at the moment. But I think yeah. we need to stand strong. Yeah, I'd agree with that, mate. Um... Andrew, as Mike just touched on there, mate, why do you think Richarlison is so undervalued? Um, I've talked about this on other podcasts or maybe just spaces, uh, but I think the thing is because the reason why we love him, I think, makes him less fantastic looking to other clubs. He is all over the pitch. He has to cover our midfield asses day in and day out, whereas other wingers, attacking wingers especially in functional clubs – who play well on the pitch, get to do their attacking job. And they get more assists and they get more goals, so they look better. So we love him because he's what we need. But Spurs, for instance, don't necessarily need that. They need somebody who's going to put in goals and make goals happen for their strikers. I think that's the issue. Uh, Rafinha even, even though, you know, Leeds finished a spot below us, Rafinha gets to do his job because their midfield is competent. So I think that's where that kind of valuation uh, comparison comes from. I don't think it's fair because you put Richie in lead side right now and he outperforms Rafinha in my mind. But it is what it is. Yeah, I was just looking. He made 30 appearances for the Premier League, scored 10 goals, five assists. Um, He had nine yellow cards as well. But for a 10 goal, five assists... Um, I think he, I think he's totally and utterly mis, misvalued, and I agree with what Andrew was saying there. I think for our dodgy midfield, I think he was tracking back a little bit too much to try and do too much. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, but I think I think he's totally and utterly um, underrated. I really do, and I think it's um, it's annoying. It is annoying, isn't it? Um... I, I would have thought myself personally that it would have gone the other way around. So the, the harder that he works and the more that he covers on the field, the higher his value. But um, as you say, you know, he's having to do several jobs at once, isn't he? Not just do his own job, he's having to do everyone else's as well. But um, it, it just seems that, you know, you see some rumours floating around and the next one we'll get to is Harry Winks at 20 million. But, you know, they're, they're asking for... You know, not much more than that for Richardson. All right, it's double and a little bit. But again, some of the other transfers as well. You know, some other teams can sell players that are, are way past the best, and 
they seem to get more for the value than what we do. Is it is it just a lack of competence with Everton's board and Everton's transfer people in general? Do you think, Andrew? Uh, talking about Winks, are you asking? Well, just the just the board in general. You know, not not being able to get a good asking price for players. Um, maybe. I mean, it seems like we're fighting back. Like the first links were like forty five, fifty million. And we said that's off our valuation. Like, we don't know exactly what's going on. Let's start there. You know, yeah. this could all be wild speculation. We could be saying it's 70 or go away. Um, but I think, you know, we might be seeing some of that with Winks right now, where we're supposedly, according to what I've seen on Twitter today, pushing for a loan for a year. And yeah. they want us to buy. Now, we also know Levy is a spectacular negotiator. Very hard-nosed. So if we come out on the better side of this, I'll be hopeful and optimistic. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, we'll just move on to Harry Winks then because, well, actually, just before we move on to Harry Winks, um, let's talk about the potential player coming our way from Chelsea if this deal was to go through. So one of the names that was being floating around is Hakim Ziyech. Mike, do, do you know much about Ziyech and would you take a player from Chelsea? Um... It's a bit of a hard one, to be honest, because financially we need the money, don't we? Yeah, um, we do. But uh, to be honest, I would look at... Uh, isn't Tammy Abrahams on loan in Roma? Is oh, Nidu back? I'm not too sure, to be honest. I'm not sure if he was a permanent signing or not. Um, I, th- I, I think he's a loan deal, you know. I would yeah. look at him. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea. But I like him. It does, I think there's potential there. And I think under Frank Lampard, you know, I think um, we can get a player out of him. I really do. Yeah. Well, Tommy Abraham actually done quite well uh, when Lampard was the manager of Chelsea for a brief spell. Um, he was he was playing quite well there. But um, would he would he dislodge Calvert-Lewin? That's the question, isn't it? You know, would... Is he better than Calvert-Lewin or would you just play them both well, up top? Well, if we're potentially losing Rich Arlison, we need cover. So, if we can get, say, 60-plus million-plus a player, I think that'll be a good deal. Because also, we've got um, Loftus-Cheek as well. He played brilliant under Frank. Yeah. Um, when Frank was there. Now, after Frank left, they loaned him out, didn't he, to Fulham? Yeah. Um, so maybe he's not going to figure. Um, but, you know, the player I would love to get is Mount. If I'm being yeah. perfect, but we're not going to get him. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think Loftus-Cheek midfielder, he could potentially play on the wing as well. So it gives us two options there. But if I had the perfect perfect one for me, it's um, Tammy. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a perfect swap. And I think him and Calvert-Loon, because they're both tall players as well, it gives us a few options. It as does, long, yeah. As long as we can get somebody to bloody cross the ball in. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the uh, thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. But and, I, Andrew, what do you think of the... Tommy Abraham shouts me, and and would you do a straight swap or would you do that and cash? When they were both in the Premier League at the same time, that was DCL's best season, yeah. right? And I always kind of saw Tammy as a discount version, like the Wish.com DCL. Yeah. Um, 
but that was also, you know, not the most offensively minded Chelsea. So that, you know, could be a different story. We had Carlo and we also had Dean and James putting in wicked crosses all the time. So you give him great service. Maybe they're interchangeable. Um, I'd be in favor of it. I just, I think there's an issue sometimes people coming from Italy to the Prem where they were scoring for fun and now they don't have the time on the ball. They're under a lot more pressure. It doesn't come quite as easily. I'm not saying Italy's easy. It's just offensively, I do think that facet of it is easier. Yeah. Yeah, you make a good point there. Um, well, Mike said his player from Chelsea, is there another player that you've got your eye on, Andrew, if, if you were to do a swap deal? Well, please allow me to be the American here. Uh, Pulisic uh, would be an option, except he's very fragile, um, it seems. Chelsea doesn't have a particularly terrible or a particularly great injury record. I think they fall kind of in the middle, but he's kind of always on that list. Uh, He's also got World Cup. So I think that'd be great for him to come to us because he'd walk into our starting 11, uh, presuming he walks out of it healthy. Uh, yeah. before it and his shirt sales uh he outsells ronaldo here in the u.s jersey wise crazy so isn't it we'd make our money back mm, that that is crazy to think actually um yeah i mean yeah no it's, it's you make a good point there um i'm just not sure as mike said that we can afford the swap i think we need straight cash to be honest um yeah. just to try and you know dig us out of a little hole that we've dug ourselves in but just moving on to another player then that we've been linked with and it seems to be heating up this one is, as you mentioned before, Harry Winks. Now, apparently Everton and Tottenham have held talks over the potential move, but it's hit a stumbling block. So Tottenham wants to sell him on a permanent and Everton just want a loan. So, Mike, do you think the, the loan would suit us better or would you like to just take a risk with with them? Uh, me, personally... He wouldn't have been the first person I would have thought of to go out and buy. Yeah. I will be honest. But I haven't done a little bit of reading on him and a little bit of reading on Deli Alley. They both had the best seasons playing alongside each other in yeah. 2019-2020. Probably the best two seasons they had playing alongside. I know they had Ericsson there as well, which makes a big difference. But I don't know what it is with Frank Lampard at this moment. I've got a lot of faith and a lot of trust in him. I think it's down to his ability to get the best out of players. And I think we've seen that towards the end of the season. So I honestly believe if we get him, him and Dali Ali, I think may, may spark up a partnership again in the middle of the park. Yeah. So I would go out to get him because if he comes to us on loan, and I know to gamble has a cracking season. It could double his price. It could do, mate. It could do. Um, so if if they're only talking twenty, thirty million, yeah. Let's be honest. It's nothing for a Premier League player. It's nothing that price. You know, you can pay twenty million for a Championship player. Yeah. So, so to get an England international British player, he's only twenty five, twenty six. Mm. For twenty, thirty million pounds, I think it's a bargain. Yeah. So, me personally, I'm for it, but I'm for the buy, not the loan. Interesting, interesting. Um, Andrew, what what's your thoughts on that, mate? Do you uh, do you agree with that, or do you think there is a certain British tax to Harry Winks, and that's why he is so expensive? 
I think there's a Spurs tax to Harry Winks because of Levy. I'm not sure if it's British or not. I think it's just he's under Levy's thumb, so it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd be more in favor of a loan with an obligation or option to buy rather than full-on dropping 20 or 30. I don't think that's absurd. I think, Mike, you have a good point that for the Prem, that's not that much. But I think with the context of Zinchenko also being in that realm of cost, yep. Zinchenko excites me a lot more than Winks does. But maybe we need Winks to facilitate what Zinchenko can do best. We, I think Frank wants to play a possession-based style, and Winks excels in an unspectacular way. But he, he's a good foundation to build from in that regard with his passing accuracy and progressive passing. So yeah, maybe we can get both. If we can get both, I'm all for it. If it had to be one of the others, Zinchenko. Yeah. No, I think I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I, think... I would I would as well, to, to be honest, when you think like that. Yeah, well, the, the Zinchenko rumours are that um, Everton have been told they need to pay upwards of £15 million up front, uh, plus a further £10 million in add-ons. So, when you say it like that, it just sounds like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, who's to say we get, you know, the price we want for Richie? That's both handled. And that's a massively different-looking midfield. Can, can, just, just going off track a, a little bit, this is where the club is quite frustrating because no one actually knows what our financial situation is. I, I agree that you can't come out and tell us word for word what it is. Otherwise, you know, everyone's knocking five, six million pounds per player on it. But what we need to know is, if we sell Richarlison for argument, say, 70 million, do yeah. we get that 70 million to spend? Can that money be reinvested? Or, because of the financial situation we're in, do they have to take, say, 50 million of that and put that into a pot? Because don't forget as well, anything over 40 million, we've got to pay what for the percentage as well? Yeah, correct. I think it's 10%, isn't it? Or 5%, maybe? I think it's 10, to be honest, John. I'm not 100% sure, but so that 70 million sounds brilliant at the moment. But if we can't have that 70 million back, so we've got to pay what 10% of 30 million to Watford. Yeah. And then if we've got to put another chunk of that into another pot, how much of it have we got? We no, that's true. Um, Andrew, do you want to um, counteract that, mate? Um, I think based on what happened with Dean and Mikalenko and Patterson, how that deal went, I think this should follow that with the exception of that sell-on fee. Um, I think Dean's sale figure was 30-plus, and we dropped about 30 on Miko and Patterson. So I think this Richie deal, with that little asterisk of the sell-on fee, I think that should provide immediately available funds. As long as it's not in installments, I think we're good to go to just drop that money right now. But yeah, I could also see the ask somewhere like shaking a fist. So it's like that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it doesn't. It seems to work a different way with all the other clubs than it does with Everton, to be honest. So we, no one's got a genuine clue. Um, I seen a little uh, tweet on Twitter earlier on by Kieran two six zero seven. Shout out to Kieran. He actually said um, in twenty seventeen, um, the Icelandic midfielder um, seemed to be the answer to our prayers, and then. 2019, Gomez walks into midfield. Uh, 2020, Alan and Decore walk straight into our starting lineup, and now Harry Winks walks straight into our starting lineup. So the point that he's getting at was, when is it going to end? You know, when are we going to actually find someone that can move us forward? And you know, what do you do with Alan and Decore? Because they're both 
we're sitting here now looking at other midfielders and we shouldn't be doing that, you know, one year, maybe, you know, two years down the line, should we really? So, uh, Alan and Decorey for sale for you, Mike? Decorey, yes. I would sell him without a heartbeat. I would sell him. Um, I think he's colour blind because he can't pass to a blue shirt. Um, <laughs> I think Alan gives us something. Um, his lead, I think Alan's leadership at the back I know he hasn't got much pace, but the way he reads a game, and I know he can make silly challenges here and there, but I think the way he reads a game and the way he controls it, I think we're a different team in it. I think we're a better team with Allen in it. I think when DeCorey wasn't playing, we were basically the same team with him or without him. I think Allen, when he doesn't play, I felt we were a different team. So I I would keep Allen and sell DeCorey because I just don't think He's got it to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, that's a fair point, mate. Uh, Andrew, would you would you sell either of those, or would you keep them because we are so short on numbers? Or I'd sell both. Honestly, uh, I don't think either particularly fit a Frank system. Ideally, if you wanted to have a plan B, if we had the money to support a secondary style of play, I'd keep one of them. Yeah, um, but I think neither of them is ideal with their passing inaccuracy for what Frank would like to do as a primary means of success. So I would say ditch them both, uh, get people who can move the ball and hold on to it uh, comfortably and with composure. Yeah, no, that's a fair point, mate. Um, another rumour that we've been linked to is, sorry, Mike, do you want to just touch on that, mate, before? Yeah, sorry, just the name we haven't mentioned yet is Gomez. Yeah. But, uh, what's going to happen to him? You know, hopefully he's gone. Hopefully he um, he will be sold. So, out of the three of them, you know, I think Gomez is top of the list to go first. Then, my opinion, DeCorey and then Allen. Um, Financially, we could get good money for all three of them and bring in who Frank wants. Yeah. And, yeah, but I think what we've got to remember is this is baby steps again now. You've got to give Frank three, four transfer where window so if he brings in a couple of players now three maybe four with some of the squad players we've got then uh, you know but to me I think Gomez has got to be the first out the door out of the three of them yeah no that's a fair point mate um, Andrew do you want to uh, just touch on that yeah real quick um, just to what was the Twitter account name Keith was that their name uh, it was Kieran 2607 Kieran. yeah um, to Kieran's point yes we have all these different styles of midfielder that we brought in and we're trying to get rid of them. That was also under brands and a different manager for each of those signings aside from obviously Alana Ducore came together. Yeah. But now with the relationship that Thelwell and Frank seem to have together and the actual project that we're looking to build, I think that stops. Uh, I could be, you know, blue tinted glasses here, but I think we're past that point with all this hodgepodge thrown together squad. Yeah, big mishmash of, of players that we just, yeah, no, I agree with that, mate. Hopefully, yeah, uh, no, okay. we've got the right balance now. And Thelwell and Lampard can just work together for a while because I don't want the season to start. And it's just some rumours floating around that Lampard might get the chop because, again, we'll be in the same situation, you know, in 12 months' time. So, um, just moving on to another player again is um, this guy he apparently plays for Juventus and we've had the opportunity to get him. Um, his name's Luca Pellegrini, Mike, which you uh, 
mentioned earlier on. So he's a left back now. What would you do in a left back situation? Because I think I think we've still got Nkunku, haven't we, to come back? Um, I think he was on loan. So would you buy another player? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Oh, I think he's he's out on loan for a reason, and he's not at the club for a reason. Um, I think he played a good couple of games when he came in in the cups, but the lower league, and he looked right. And then, I'm not mistaken, he played one or two Premier League games and he just couldn't put it for me. Mm. Um, I think Michalenko's going to make that spot his own. And I think yeah. that we do need decent cover. One, for competition. And two, to start building a squad of decent players and not what we've got at this moment in time. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, mate. Um, Andrew... Um... What's your thoughts on the left-back situation? Have you heard of this Luca Pellegrini guy? A little bit. I think we're stacked uh, in terms of left-backs. And I think if we really, really, really wanted him with Leighton Baines, although I guess he has other responsibilities now, and Ashley Cole, I think we're all set on left-backs uh, and who we'd want to get, we'd already have. But also, I would ask Mike, would you have put Anthony Gordon in our starting eleven, or even as a backup two years ago? Good question. Because that's maybe where I see Nkunku now is where Gordon was two years ago. He didn't get a sniff under Carlo. Maybe twice. Yeah, but different ages, though, won't he? He's a baby, isn't he? Nkunku, I thought he's like 22. Um, I don't know, to be honest. Um, how old he is? Um, can, we get the, uh, point, can we get the point. booth on that? Uh, <laughs> it's a fair point. Um I don't know is is the honest answer. I don't know. Hindsight's a great word, isn't it? Um, you know, it's like when Wayne Rooney was 13, 14, 15, you could see, you could see then. You could have put a 14-year-old Wayne Rooney in the first 11 on a Saturday afternoon. Sure. He's build everything else. So... Maybe keep him for the season. See if Frank can bring a player out on him. You know, fair point. Um, but it still doesn't cover the left-back role if Mikolenko gets injured and he's not up to scratch. If yeah. Miko gets injured first week of August, I absolutely agree. He's not ready. But I would like to see him train full-time under Ashley Cole yeah. at Finch yeah. Farms. Yeah. I think that could be transformational. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you could be right there. Um Obviously, we've got to remember that John Joe Kenny's out the door as well, so we can't fill in left back anymore. Um, so we, we do need to bring someone in. I don't want to see Anthony Gordon play there again, like he was in the Crystal Palace game in the cup. So, yeah, he needs to be further up the field. I don't want to see that I, ever again. Um, that memory. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other little bit of rumours is that Christian Eriksen has apparently rejected a move to Manchester United. So, does that suggest, Mike, that he's? We're not going to get him. We don't stand a chance because he wants to stay in London. I think he wants to stay in London. Um, now, he actually knows the new manager as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, of United and they're very close and very... So, for him to knock that back, that indicates to me that he wants to stay down south. Yeah. So, but again, it could be lazy journalists. I've heard Tottenham may be interested in him again. So, will he go back to Tottenham? I don't know. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Um, Andrew, yeah. do you think he just wants to stay down south, mate? 
I think he's built a life there, uh, you know, since the incident. And he's probably taking stock of things like what's really important. I don't think he views, you know, time on the pitch as the most important thing in the world anymore. After yeah. actually dying, I could understand that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Uh, he's Icelandic. Uh, Ericsson, I think he's from Denmark, isn't he? Denmark. Danish. Yeah. Yeah. They're not in the World Cup, right? Yeah. Yeah, after the check, so, I think you're right there. Yeah, so no worries on that. Yeah, I, yeah. Unless he just really values playing time more than anything, I don't think we have a shot because he would absolutely walk into our midfield as we've talked about for roughly anybody we've been linked with. Yeah, but especially for him. And if we got him, I would be ecstatic. Him with Abraham or DCL up front is just a terrifying prospect for set piece defense for any opposition side. Big time. Yeah, yeah big time. I was going to say, if we get someone of Ericsson's stature, he can take free kicks, he can do corners, and it's something we have seriously, seriously lacked since Lucas Dean went. But even in Lucas Dean's last full season, his quality of crosses wasn't there. Uh, um, I don't think he'll be back again, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, so... Who leaves us short in that area? Like, um, one of the suggestions that I said on the last pod, Mike, was you know, if you save your money on the, another player and then you offer Ericsson more, perhaps you can try and convince him. I don't know, uh, maybe, but it doesn't look like we're in with a shot no. from, from the beginning, to be honest. No, as, as Andrew said there, he's had uh, one of the most frightening experiences you can ever have. Yeah, and as Andrew says, maybe he's reassessing that football is his job, football is a passion, but it's not his life. His family yeah. is his life now. His family, if they're settled in London, and I don't know about his kids and everything else, what age are the kids off schooling, and his wife has got maybe got friends down there, so maybe playing football isn't a priority. Maybe his family is for him now. So. Yeah. But if he's not going to go to United, I very much doubt he's going to move up north and play for us. Yeah, no, that's a good point, mate. Um, some other news then that it looks like Thelwell, as we touched on in the, previously, Andrew, um, Thelwell's making moves. He's appointed Gareth Prosser um, as the academy, academy director. Can't even talk. Um, he's uh, appointed Paul Tate as the under-21s head coach and uh, Leighton Baines as the under-18s head coach. And he's also looking at other positions as well. They're a player development coach, a player development senior coach, a loan pathways manager, and a head of performance analysis as well. So it's a, he's really starting to put a stamp on things, isn't he, Thelwell? And you know, are, are you imp- are you impressed with these moves that he's making, Andrew? Yeah, because it actually seems, for all intents and purposes, that he's actually running the footballing side of the business, which is a welcome change for us. Yeah, um, you know, like. <laughs> I remember when he first came in and he looked at the under 23s and was like, Unsworth, why were you doing both of these jobs? You couldn't yeah. possibly be doing both of them well. It's arguable they're not doing one of them well. So, like, we really need to re examine and get specialists bringing their tools to the job. So, I'm all in favor of Thelwa making this in his image. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mike, what's your thoughts on uh, Thelwa, mate? And so far, um... very, very impressed. Really impressed. As, as Andrew's just highlighted there he's a director of football and that's exactly what he's doing it's he's getting paid to do a job and yeah it looks like 
he's come in, had a little sit down, had a look, little look around him. As Andrew said there, he's gone to Unsworth. Why are you doing this? Why is that happening? And now, close season, he's uh, sorting it all out. And we've seen, seen on paper to be getting it right behind the scenes now. Yeah, we do, mate, definitely. Um, just in time for a nice, shiny new takeover by the looks of it. Um, Peter Kenyon and his team have just visited Finch Farm and Brangley Moor, so it looks like it's relatively close to something big happening, doesn't it, Mike? You know. Yeah, just go. if this takeover does go ahead, who's to say that what the setup we've got at the moment is safe? Yeah. No, that's a good point. You know, it's a bit of a worry. Who says that they don't want their own director of football? Yeah. Hopefully, Peter Kenyon is a football man. He's got experience in the Premier League. He can see what's happened and the way we're doing things is on the right track. So, hopefully, he won't touch it. Yeah. No, I hope so, mate. Um, that would be just, that would just be devastating, wouldn't it? Which, as my Andrew said, we're finally getting some pieces together in the back rooms side of things, and new owners come in and just make a mess already. Um, but Andrew, what's your thoughts on on uh, Peter Kenyon and and company visiting Finch Farm and Bramley Moor? Um, I'm concerned that Kenyon's not going to stick around after the deal is done. Right. I uh, just read an article on the Athletic uh, from Greg O'Keefe. And uh, some of the wording was ambiguous. It was, he could take a day-to-day role uh, if he wants to move back to Northwest, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't seem like a stone-cold lock that he's actually going to be running things after. I know a lot of Evertonians were very excited about Kenyon coming in, regardless of the other two, the money men, because he's a football man and he's ruthless and he's cutthroat and he's efficient. But if he's not there how different is this new setup going to be? And this is all hypothetical, but how different would a new setup be under two money men without football knowledge? We hope they let Thelwell and Prosser and co keep running things as they see fit, but there's no guarantee. And that's my concern. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, Apparently the, uh, the little agreement that they had, you know, the uh, exclusivity rights is um, close to coming to its end soon. So that means anyone can just, kind of muscle in so I'm pretty sure that we'll hear one way or another you know in the next two weeks maybe um, but you know we just have to wait and see won't we but it, Peter Kenyon has been linked to all kinds of consortiums hasn't he but do you think you know where would you think he would be most effective do you think he'd be most effective you know as as the head guy or do you think he'd be more effective taking a backseat role Mike as, as Andrew suggested I, I I think if he can come in for the first two years as CEO, as he done at United and Chelsea, Chelsea and you let him run the club the way he wants to, and then possibility make him chairman after that, I don't know, or if he wants to take a backseat, or if he gets a young apprentice in, basically, who he can teach for the next two years, yeah, and teach them how to do it, maybe, but I I do think he's a great asset to have in the club if he sticks around. Yeah, no, you're spot on there, mate. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of involvement Tim Cahill has after the World Cup and uh, if Peter Kenyon can teach him a thing or two because that would be ideal, wouldn't it? That would be yeah. a nice scenario. Um, the other thing that I, I su- suggested, Andrew, do you want to just touch on that, mate, before we move on? Yeah, um, I, I agree with the um, Kenyon as CEO 
or, you know, figurehead guy. I think for all my concerns about Thornton uh, and his past, uh, he would be wonderful at securing commercial deals for us and partnerships. That is that man's bread and butter. And then Kaminsky uh, seems to be looking at commercial real estate, like hotels around the Bramley Moore dock area. So I think that's what they all bring to the table if they all stay. Yeah, no, you make a good point there. Um, the other thing that I've seen suggested as well was that, um, well, it a thing was revealed today with the Premier League club squad values since their latest ownership and Everton's uh, squad value has only increased by 14% with Leicester's has increased by 577% and uh, Wolves has increased by 431. So it just shows you, you know, the the poor job that Mashiri's done, doesn't it, Mike? You know, since he's yeah. yeah. Yeah, so just go back a little bit. I've read before that Mashiri is leaving the sale of the football club to Kenwright. All right, okay. I've read it before. That's interesting. Um, yeah. He'll just uh, take a couple of theatre tickets and then, you know, he'll sell yeah. us off to the... The nearest guy will keep him on the board as well. Yeah. Which is not good news. Um, I think all, all of them need to go, to be honest with you. We need a fresh start from head to toe. So um, if he's running the sale, mate, I'm not I'm not uh, entirely uh, positive about that, I'll be honest with you. Um, however, as Andrew mentioned previously, you know, Denise Barrett-Baxendale actually got us a good deal with the stadium. So maybe, you know, she's got a, something to do with it as well, perhaps, and maybe she can do another good job. We never know. Before we get back to the real topic, I, I kind of have this feeling that maybe Denise Barabaxdale is like, remember when everyone at Chelsea wanted Frank gone because of his loyalty to Mason Mount? Yeah, but yeah. it turns out Mason Mount was actually pretty good. He was just kind of associated with this bad time. I feel like maybe Denise has that thing going on. I think she can do a job if she wasn't so closely associated with Ken Wright and Mashiri. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point, mate. Fair enough. Um, so just moving on to another transfer rumour then. Um, we've been linked to your place for Olympiacos. His name's Papa Abu Sise. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's a centre-half, um, which is good. So maybe he's better than what we've got and you just go straight in with Tarkowski, Tarkowski, I don't know, maybe. Um, Mike, do you think we need another centre-half or do you yeah. think we're all right with Tarkowski? No. No, no, 100% we need one. Um, it's a pity because Yaramina has got biscuit legs. Um, <laughs> if he could stay fully fit with James coming in, I think that's a solid defence. I think if Pickford can carry on the way he was playing, um, and then obviously when Patterson's fully fit and Mikalenko, I think that's a solid, solid back line. That yeah. Really but, yeah, I mean, it's got biscuit legs. So yeah, made, a, made a paper mache. Um, Andrew, do you think we need another defender, another centre-half? Yes, but we'd have to sell Keane or Holgate first. I don't think we can afford the wages for that many centre-halves. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're probably selling Mina, it looks like. So I think Tarkovsky is kind of the dead swap for him, even though he's not quite as good in a lot of ways. Yeah. He is readily available and all that. We've talked about that to death but yeah. i do think we need a better secondary one and while i love godfrey sorry green um i think he's still got some growing to do um 
but I don't want to see another one bought unless we've got Keen off the books. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense, mate. Oh, I'd love I'd love Keen to go, even if he went for free. Honestly, I'd, I'd love it. Just get rid of him. I wish we could just, like, cancel his deal or something and just, like, you know, send them into the abyss. But anyway, moving on, do people want to go into a big, <laughs> big black hole of hate for Keane? And um, some of the referees that we know have left the Premier League, so Mike Dean, Martin Atkinson and John Moss. And now that's just been followed up by Kevin Friend as well. So that's four referees gone um, that were in the Premier League last season. So just think we'll see another side to the game next season or do you think there'll be new guys coming in with the same kind of bullshit that's just happened Andrew I'm terrified because Moss isn't retiring he's taking over <laughs> he's taking over the whole damn thing yeah. so like he'd be making a lot more little John Mosses like that's horrifying <laughs> yeah lads what have you been doing no 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 this is a card you see that shirt that's Everton red <laughs> yeah definitely um Mike, what's your thoughts on the referees, mate? And uh... let's be honest, Kevin Friend's going to be no loss to any blue, um, <laughs> right? You know, I think um, I think he had to go for his own safety. Um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, John, uh, the way the referees act at Everton and for Everton, losing three or four of them, and possibility of three or four coming back in with fresh eyes, fresh ideas. Hopefully, we'll work in our favour a bit and there'll be a bit more, as he should be, refereeing a game of football and with no bias towards one side. Yeah. I'm hoping. Um, so, as I say, Kevin Friend's going to be no loss to anyone. Probably, yep. if not the worst referee I've ever witnessed at Goodison Park. Yeah. And we've had some shockers. We have, haven't we? Um, if only Chris Cavana was retiring as well, that would just put the top hat yeah. on. But can't have everything, I suppose. No. Um, the, the other thing I want to mention just before we go is that Southgate has asked, you know, the fix, the fixtures came out last week and uh, we all looked at the fixtures and the last game before the World Cup, none of the top six play each other. I think that Southgate has asked the Premier League or the FA to protect certain players. I don't think that'll make a blind bit of difference with England's World Cup hopes, I'll be honest. But what's your thoughts on that, Andrew? Um, more of the same. I wish I could say it was surprising to me. I could also say, hey, Southgate, there are great players that are not in the top six that you could maybe select. Yeah. For instance, people that are not named Harry Maguire. But yeah. what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, spot on. <laughs> um, Mike, what's your thoughts on the Southgate asking the FA to do him a favour? If that is correct, it just shows you how bent the system is because the fixtures are supposed to be random. Yeah. They're supposed to be, as you say, for Champions League, basically a computer shuffles them all up or someone puts a hand, put, picks a ball out. So this proves that the fixtures are set up yeah. to, suit, to suit individuals. And I understand that he can ask a question coming up to a World Cup, but I agree with you, John, we're not going to do nothing. In that World Cup, we can't even beat Hungary for Christ's sake. <laughs> we look awful. Yeah, we did, so, mate. We did. Um, Andrew, do you just want to touch on that again, mate? You're talking about the fixtures being set up. Uh, guess who Liverpool plays on the uh, opening day? Go on. Uh, the winner for the fourth time in a row of the championship is it? Championship, <laughs> I guess. 
The fourth time so, in a row. That's disgusting, isn't it? Four in a row. That is mathematically, I'll say improbable, but I mean impossible. Yeah. They're Las Vegas odds, then, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just, as you say, mate, it's supposed to be random, but, you know, you can find faults with it every single year. There's certain yeah. things that, and don't, don't forget, you know, half of these fixtures will change as well, just to suit them, not us, to suit them, so... Yeah, it just gets worse and worse every year. But um, you know, even even with this favour, as you said, Mike, I, I don't think England are going to do a, anything in the World Cup. To be honest, no. um, you know the way Southgate is, I, I think his time's up. I think they should have got someone in before the World Cup. If I'm honest with you, but yeah. that's a story for another day. Um, yeah. uh, I think I think when the fixtures are getting done, you must have Mister Sky there and Mister yeah. Sky saying, right on this calendar date. Oh no no no! They can't play each other then because uh, I'm going shopping, so I need that date change for this one. <laughs> I think I think it's all coming down to Sky now. I think Sky have too much control over the Premier League. Yeah, I, I really do, and I think it's um, I, it was haven't absolutely impossible for anyone to, or anyone can change my mind towards the end of that season how the fixtures worked out. Yeah. So we went all the way to the wire. Yeah, no, it's um, just corrupt. It's absolutely corrupt. It is. No, I agree with that hundred percent. Um, is there anything that we've missed that you'd just like to mention before we go? Because um, there's quite a bit that's. I mean, news seems to be coming out every day. I know where Paul and Graham. Sorry, John. I know I've only just come back in. and I've got a bit of catching up to do. But have we touched on the five substitutes yet? I don't think we have, mate, actually. That's a, that's a brilliant sure. point. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, well, um, at the moment, it doesn't really help us out. In fact, it puts us in a... We can have four four goalkeepers now instead of three on the bench. <laughs> um, so, but I like the idea. Um, I really do like um, the idea of five subs. Yeah. Um, not only as people go, oh, it helps the top six. It doesn't. It helps us as well. It, it does help. And maybe the scenario we were in last season, we've got to play youngsters as well. So it gives them a bit of a chance as well, using the five subs. So I like the idea. I do like it. I think, yeah, I no, think that's interesting. Um, a bit, bit of positivity for once. <laughs> well, someone's got to bring it back, mate. So it's good to have you back on that note. Um, Andrew, do you want to touch on the five substitutes thing? Do you think it does benefit certain teams, or would you agree with Mike there? I it, I would agree in the sense that yes, it benefits all teams, but not on the same scale. Yeah. Because City's second eleven stomps the vast majority of the Premier League, anyways. Yeah. Um, but also on that point, like Klopp was one of the biggest moaners about not having five subs. His starting 11 played like 56 of the 60 games they played. So it's yep. like you didn't even use them. Also, how the f- are they, they playing that many games? But um, he didn't even use them. Now, I also think, like Mike said, if we still had Carlo, the just extreme salivation he would have and how many goalkeepers he could have on that bench. My God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it will be a sight to behold, that's for sure. Mike, do you want to come back on yeah. that? Uh, just something, um, Andrew said then about Klopp. The majority of his all season, and let's not forget they are all critically ill. They, they are all um, asthmatics, yeah. and for them to play that amount of football with their 
health failing the way it does, I think it's you know very very stupid of their their manager to put his players under that sort of pressure. <laughs> yeah, inspirational, honestly. Paralympic yeah. superstars. Yeah, Paral- yeah. It's <laughs> it's um it's an interesting debate actually, and it's something that we can probably do an episode on. Fun, yeah. Really, but um yeah, the five substitutes. I I tend to think that it does benefit certain teams. Um, I, I think they're bringing in a rule where you know some of them have to be homegrown and of a certain age. But even so, you know, I, I do think it would benefit you know Manchester City and Liverpool and teams like that. And let's not forget they they seem to spend an awful lot every single year and just get off it. It's the same with Arsenal and Manchester United. They'll spend eighty million on another reject as well, and it'll be shite. And you know, it'll just benefit them. And um, Andrew, do you want to just touch on that maybe before we close out? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, especially for our particular set of issues, uh, we tend to have weird injuries happen, like, in warm-ups or during the game when we're talking about Mina. So I think that helps us out in a big way because somebody takes a knock and you don't have to sub based on just necessity. You can also do that necessary sub for health and then still make subs for tactics. I yeah. think that's a big advantage for us because people are still going to get hurt unless we remove whatever voodoo curse has been placed on Finch Farm. Yeah, <laughs> we need to do that ASAP, ASAP. Um, but yeah, no, Mike, Andrew, it's good to you know get you on. And uh, Mike, it's fantastic to have you back, mate. Uh, great to be back. Thanks for um, having me back. No problem, mate. We'll catch you in the next one. Yeah, all the best. Nice one. Good stuff. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to the Everton Army podcast. If you like what you've heard, then please share it with all your blue friends and family. And don't forget to rate, subscribe and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really does help us out as we build this thing up. You can also catch us on Twitter by searching for at EAW Podcast. And if you have anything else you'd like to discuss with us, you can reach us via email at eawpodcast at gmail.com. This show is sponsored by 3 Transport Refrigeration Limited. They offer refrigerated transport breakdown coverage nationwide, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Check them out at www.3trl.co.uk or give them a call on 01925 Go ahead and check them out for all your refrigeration transport needs. Catch you in the next one, guys.